Welcome to Own the Microphone. Join me, Bridget McGowan, an award-winning international professional speaker and owner of the independent publishing company, BNAC Talks Press. What's up, everybody? It's Bridget McGowan, and welcome to today's episode of Own the Microphone. Today, I have Kim Rymockers, who's joining us from the Netherlands. Kim, I am so excited to have you on because you're so kind to me already. I was trying to roll the R in your last name, and you said, Bridget, just don't, just don't do that. It's a Dutch thing. Don't, don't even bother. Just say <laughs> I know, I know what it's like to pronounce my name, so you're good. You're good. Kim, welcome to the show. Thank you. It's so lovely to be here. Oh, my goodness. Now, I have a little bit of a questionnaire that I ask guests before they come on the podcast. And one of those questions is, have you always been a confident speaker? And you gave me an interesting response to that question. You indicated yes and no. It's complicated. Give us the story behind (laughs) whether you've always been a confident speaker, Kim. Well, it's still part of the story, I I believe. So in the sense that I've always, you know, you have these dreams of like, oh, I'm going to stand up. I'm going to be these stages. going to be amazing. And then you're like wanting to do reality. Like, wait, wait, hold on a second. Do you mean I actually have to stand? Like there's got to be words coming out of my mouth and it's supposed to all make sense all at the same time. Yes. (laughs) (laughs) So it's a bit, uh, that's what gets complicated because I see the vision and I love the vision. And then I go, hold on a minute. Like the reality of this is like, it just can scare you. And it's, but it's all in your head at the end of the day, the story that you've been telling yourself. And so I've always challenged myself to do the things that scare me because if, if it scares me, then it must be something that I really, really want to do because if it doesn't scare me, yeah, it's, it's not, it's going to leave me neutral. So fear has been kind of one of those things like, okay, I'm feeling afraid right now. That means this is something I truly desire. So this is like my heart talking. Let's follow my heart and see where it goes. And I've had times where, yeah, it's just kind of fallen flat. You're like, I thought I was funny. Did no one laugh? Did did you miss the joke? Do you want me to give you the punchline again? (laughs) And other times where it's just been, yeah, I've had people walk up to me at the end going, wow, Kim, like, that was amazing. Could you, you know, how did you do this? Like, I could never do what you're doing. It's like, yeah, you can. Everyone can. And speaking of everyone can, everyone can speak on the same topic, but have a totally different take on it or totally different spin to a direction to it. What are the topics on which you speak and what makes your spin, your take on it unique? Good question. One of those questions I think I fear when you get into it. And the reason is because indeed we all have these voices in our head going, you're not unique or everyone's said this, told the story already. And so for me, I speak a lot on, yeah, really being authentically yourself. So what does that mean? Like, how do I show up as a leader, not only in my work environment, but how do I show up a leader in my life as well? Um, How do we let go of expectations of other people? 
And I came across this term, I'm still working on how, how I want to use it or whether I want to identify it with it, but it's like of a conscious rebel or even like a corporate rebel, because I've never followed the right path of what this is what we're supposed to be doing. So when it comes to what's unique, for me, it's been, I even asked, asked a client of mine and she's just like, yeah, but Kim, you, you walk the talk. You're like, all right, like, or I want to be, I want to be happy. So I make the decisions and that's what I've been doing. And I find for anyone that's listening, if you think, well, everyone's done that, like, yes, I'm sure there's other people that have a very close and similar story to what mine is. The, the thing is how I deliver it can be just different. I could resonate with a certain person, just have that connection. And if I can even make the impact with one person, then what the story that I've told has been worth it. What's the number one lesson that you teach your audiences or what is maybe what is it that you're called upon time and time again by different organizations or different events for uh, to speak on? Big one is confidence. And and I link that to how does your brain work? And this is because it's a mission of mine. I found myself being in meetings and having equal skills, equal knowledge, all of that being equal. And yet I look at my colleagues going, how are you getting promoted? How are you getting better than I am? And, and it all came down to the, the lack of confidence that I had in myself, because that meant I wasn't speaking up. I wasn't sharing my ideas or I'd be sharing them outside of the meeting. Like, why didn't you mention that? Oh, like I'm a little scared of what, what people are going to say. And that made me realize I needed to work on that for myself. And then looking at it now with my clients, they come to me like, Kim, I want to raise, like, you know, I want to speak out more. I want to really, you know, use my voice in that sense and have that confidence. And I think if we can change that, that women, and I concentrate mainly on women leaders, is getting women to step up more. What an amazing world can we create? And Mm -hmm. that's where I really you know, that comes up time and time again, how do we get that confidence? And how do how do I can how can I use my brain to really create that cycle of confidence? Creating a cycle of confidence. That sounds like something where you need to consciously put in place on a daily basis. I don't know if it's practices, if it's thoughts, if it's I'm not sure. I mean, what, what would you say is part of that, that conscious cycle of confidence? Well, confidence comes from the doing. I found that, um, especially with my clients and with people that I speak with, they think, well, you know, just, just give me the secrets. Like, give me the formula of ABC. Well, the ABC is you need to do it and you need to do it and do it again. And the confidence comes from that, but it's building habits in place. So things like if you find yourself putting something off, so that could be speaking up at a meeting. Why are you putting it off? Because generally you're procrastinating. It's giving you a lot of stress. So you want to change the trigger at the beginning and think, all right, make it fun. Just make it a game for yourself. Can I speak up once in this meeting? It doesn't even have to be relevant, but you just need to speak up. Are you going to give a presentation? And and part of you needs to know, right, even we're talking about present, presenting and public speaking, needs to know what, 
what kind of speaker are you in terms of how much do you want to prepare? Now, I'm not advising to never prepare. I'm just thinking some of us are really good at going off the top of your head. You can come up with a couple topics and you can have a fairly good presentation from there. You'll need to refine it to be stellar, but you could do it because you're in that sense already confident. And other people really need to practice in the mirror. They need to practice in front of friends to get to that point where they get to do it. And I always think that's how I used to do it is I would practice and practice and practice that when I got to the point of having to present something, my brain went an automatic pilot and it already knew the words it had to say. It knew how to say it. And then that usually got me through the first couple of minutes where you or at least for me, it was like a brain froze, like, oh my God, oh my God, oh my God. And then, and as I'm going, like, wow, there's words coming out of my mouth. It sounds fairly normal. It sounds like English. We're doing good. Right. And then you get to notice from the audience, hey, look, they're nodding their head. I'm making sense. And you get comfortable. And that's when the rest just flows with ease. Something you said that caught my attention was how we'll see some people who can just come off the top of their heads with a presentation. They don't have to practice. And again, we are not saying do not practice. Quite to the contrary, make sure you practice. But you see some of those people where maybe it seems like they are just coming off the tops of their heads or maybe they really are. And let's talk, let me talk a little bit about those kinds of people. There is a certain amount of stress or pressure you'll put on yourself thinking, oh man, well, he can do that or she can do that. Why can't I just come off of the top of my head with a presentation and it sounds perfect and polished and put together? Here's the deal. It's because we're all different and we all have different zones of genius and different talents and different skill sets. Uh, There are some people where they don't even have to think about managing their weight. It's just automatic for them where they know, listen, these, these are the amount of calories I can take in each day. This is the amount of exercise that I need to get in. And oh my goodness, if I go back for that third bite of a cupcake, I need, I know that means an extra 50 minutes on the treadmill, whatever. These people just have these automatic actions and beliefs and intentions inside of them where they can effortlessly work through some things that are more of a challenge for others. And I'll be honest, I'm one of those people where the weight management is a little bit more of a challenge. I have to consciously think about, okay, how many calories are in this? How much have you already eaten? What time of day is it now? And so on and so forth. How much exercise have you gotten in today? And then there are other people where they don't have to think about it. The same thing goes for presenting. There are some where they can just go off the cuff and not even think about it. And others who have to stop and say, okay, do I have my slides together? Have I practiced? Have I put together my anecdotes? And so don't look at other people and assume, oh, it comes easy for them. It should also come easy for me. Or beat yourself up saying, you know, why can't I be like so-and-so? You can't because you are not, because you are you. (laughs) And I challenge you on that. Say one more time. I'm going to challenge you on that in the sense that those people that appear that they can do this off the cuff, what they have done is they have built in habits 
and they have done the practice over and over again that it now is just what it needs to be. And that's where I was getting to. <laughs> I'm so, impatient. What, what, no, no, no. What you see, those people where it looks like it comes off the cuff, they have practiced in private what looks in public like it's just natural, like they just came out of the womb doing this. So don't be so quick to think that you have to be like those people and that it happens overnight. And don't try to be like those people. Find out what is their secret. Find out, is it the practice that's happening behind the scenes in private? And then what you see in public is all of that practice, that work, that research, that skill and drill that was taking place behind closed doors. There was something else I was going to throw out there and it slipped my mind. I was just about to say that it went away from me. At any rate... Uh, Oh, that's what it was. There are some things, I want you to think about this too, listeners. There are some things that you are a rock star at. And I guarantee you, there are some people who are kind of looking at you saying, huh, how does she do that? How does he do that? And yes, part of it probably comes from your natural abilities. And then part of it comes from you consciously keeping that skill set going and remaining conscious of growing and getting better at what you do and how you do it. Okay, I'm off my soapbox. <laughs> soapbox, I fully agree there, Bridget, so you're good. <laughs> Kim, uh, I understand that you are a corporate rebel who takes on challenges. You um, love making the hard decisions to create your own path and to live a life fully lived, no matter how often you become scared spitless. (laughs) Kim used to hear how she did not fit in the traditional path during her career. Now she has broken the mold and decided to lead her life in her own authenticity, claiming her voice and helping other corporate women leaders do the exact same thing. With the purpose to serve greatly, to create a world of greater kindness compassion, and generosity for our children so that we can all live a life without the confines of societal norms. That is what Kim does. That is what she lives to do. That was a really positive description of you and what you're about, but I'm going to turn the coin on the other side, shift gears and go negative on you. I need you to tell me, what do the absolutely worst speakers do? And this this gives us a glimpse into what not to do. What do the worst speakers do? I find the worst speakers, they assume that they know their topic (laughs) and then just show up and start talking and they don't know their audience. And one of the, I'm going to create a story around this and I, and I feel like I'm going to come out the hero and that's not how I mean it to be. Um, but one of the moments that I got asked to speak was at my MBA graduation. So there was two tracks, the MBA, me and another student both were asked to speak. And, you know, he, I prepared for 
weeks. I was excited. I, you know, I really love this. And, I, you know, going through draft after draft. And I, I think my poor husband uh, went through this probably about 20 times listening to me. Like, can, you, can I do it better? Can I do it better? And I sat in the audience listening to the first one. And first of all, there was a PowerPoint presentation. I'm like, what, what? We were supposed to have a PowerPoint presentation? No one mentioned this. Like, yeah. so, you're saying, like, so you're starting to get unsure of yourself. And what happened was it's like, it's a graduation, right? So I find the worst speakers haven't really got a grasp of what is the occasion? What is the audience? And he made this entire, his entire speech all about him everything that he'd done, everything he'd accomplished and all how great this was, all that was. And that was it. Like it was all about him. And the reason that I remember this comes up for me is because my story was all about all of us. And I remember my mom coming up to me at the end. She's like, yeah, you can definitely see Kim that you have spent years um, in 4-H, which I don't know if you have that in the States, but in Canada, we had 4-H. I did speeches every single year at 4-H. So if you're wondering how I practiced, that was one of those avenues of practicing. And we were drilled in, you know, to know who you're talking to, you know, who your audience is and make, and the easiest way to create a good presentation or good speech is make it about the other person and make it about the audience. And that was one of those moments I'm like, wow, like, great. Like, you know, like I'd be celebrating you anyways, but now I kind of feel like I am asked to celebrate you on command rather than, you know, being, being proud of what each and every one of the students here has accomplished. I think sometimes when people do presentations like that, make presentations like the one that you were describing where the presenter just talked about himself it's and you may have said something to this effect. It's it's this nervousness where and, and maybe even falling back on a an old presentation trick where you're told to talk about yourself. That's the easiest thing to do. And I know there are different organizations that encourage that as a means for boosting confidence and giving you this feeling that you can do this. But the thing is, when you get in front of an audience, a real audience they don't so much want to hear about you. They can Google you. They will check you out beforehand if they're interested. And if you do a stellar job, they're definitely checking you out after the presentation. Well, and I feel like there's a place to talk about yourself. And that place is to, in a sense, to put you in either the expert or the authority, depending on what is needed from that presentation. And if you're doing, because, you know, I talk about also the presentations within a corporate boardroom or even within meetings. Those are all presentation moments that you get to stand up and show who you are. But the best way to show who you are is by not talking about yourself, but it's by talking about the team. It's about talking about the subject and even the information that you're sharing. Make it relatable and put it into a story format rather than so, okay, so here's the stats, A, B, and C, because as soon as somebody walks out of the room, they're never going to remember A, B, and C. If you tell them the story, they might get the facts a little bit wrong, but they will get the whole gist of what the information that you're sharing. 
And please don't overshare because I find like, okay, we've got lots of information here. So you're going to you know, have to keep up, keep notes. Blah, blah, blah. It's like, no, like give me the three big lines I need to remember. Otherwise you've lost me. The magic of three. I've had that conversation with a number of guests in recent days about the power of three, the magic of three, sticking to three, right? And that's how you avoid that information overload. That's how you make sure that what you're giving the audience is actually sticking. And you made me think about this that I've shared with people before. And that is when you shine the light on others, you are the one who ends up shining. When you make the presentation about the audience, you're the one who ends up coming off as having done a pretty darn good job. <laughs> well, it, it reminds me of that quote of like, no one will remember what you said, but they'll always remember what you feel, how you made them feel. So if you can make someone feel, that's where you make the connection and that's, that's where the memories are made. There you go. There you go. Speaking of memories, tell me about... One of your most memorable presentation experiences, whether it was something you did or it was something someone else did, what was it that made it so unforgettable? Can I share two? Would that be allowed? That That's allowed. And, and then after that, you may ask me a question. Okay. Okay. So the first one is, it was... Um, it was someone within one of our corporate, uh, we had an annual or quarterly corporate results um, presentation, right? So you're there and it's a big corporation. You're sitting there. He came up, he was like a complete contrast to what you would expect it. Like, you know, really big guy, American accent. So at this time I was still living in, I was working in Europe. So it's like, okay, I hadn't expected that. And what he did was he told a story and Kim, yeah. you know, we don't believe we have accents. You know, we don't believe. I'm serious. Yeah, we don't believe. That are, you have an accent. We all have accents. No, we don't. No, we don't. <laughs> <laughs> okay, I'm sorry. No, no, you're good. You're good. It is true. We all have accents. Um, but he just showed up. It was a complete contradiction. You know, he, he was like, you know, dressed nicely in a suit and a big, like a big guy, like sort of like a big football player. And you're like, oh God, here we go. Another one of these presentations where we got to talk about the numbers and what we need to do. And what he did was so different. He turned it into a story. He used an entire story to craft his message. At the end of it, we're like, okay, gung ho. Like, what are we doing? What are we doing? Like, how do we do this? And that really brought out the action part of that. And I remember always thinking like, wow, like I want to be a storyteller like that because that's, what really created the impact? Did we all realize the quarterly earnings? Yeah, we had that story. We have that information, but it's been wrapped in such a way that now we're all fired up to make this the next best quarter rather than going, okay, yep, check. We've got that. Let's move on to the next one. So that's the first story. The second one is, is more of a bit of an embarrassing one of myself. Um, I used to teach at a community college presentation skills as you would have it I was also having to teach and I used to tell students at one point you know I was getting students like okay you've got to come up and give a presentation and all these things and I was telling them that everybody is nervous it doesn't matter how often you've presented something and I said you know I've been present I've been doing presentation skills for a number of years 
I have been teaching for a number of years and yet every single time we have a new semester or every time it's a different, a little bit of a different topic, I even still get nervous. And I'm like, oh, I hope that this is going to work. I hope that this, this makes sense to the students. And you get pretty immediate feedback with students. And I told them, you know what I always think? Just pull on your brown pants because you pull on brown pants and you, you know, poop your pants. No one's going to notice because it's all brown. <laughs> Except that the moment that I told them this, they started laughing. I'm like, I didn't realize I was quite that funny with that delivery until I realized I was wearing brown pants brown. that day. <laughs> Which was great. And at the end, it was really great because the students still came up to me a couple years later. Oh, Kim, you know, I still remember that story. And I always think of it every time I have to go up to make a presentation. It's like, just pull on the brown pants. It's okay. Everybody's nervous. And just just go out and do it. She's like, but I've always made sure to never wear brown pants. I was like, yeah, thank you. It's the last time I wore those pants as well. <laughs> <So>. <laughs> That's pretty good. That's rich. Okay. I'm in the hot seat. What's your question for me? Oh, I had a couple, but I'm going to start. I'm going to well, not start, but I'll do this one. What is the best music festival or concert you've been to or are looking forward to going to? Hmm. So here's something about me, Kim. I'm not a huge music fan. Uh, let me think the last concert, the last concert. So yeah, we'll go with that. Uh, the last one I attended, and actually it was pretty good. I've not attended a lot of, uh, musical performances, live musical performances, not a ton, probably can count on one or two hands, the, the number of them that I've attended, but the last one was probably in September of 2019, when Beyonce and Jay-Z were performing in Phoenix. It was about mid-September, I think. And it was astounding because you saw what an artist she is. You saw the work that goes into what she does. And she does make it look easy. But again, it goes back to what we were talking about before, that practice in private. So when you show up on the stage, it looks like you could do this in your sleep. And just not just her her musical performance or her physical performance in terms of dance, but I'm quite sure she had input on some level as to the wardrobe and the backgrounds. Uh, so all of that combined, I'm looking at every single aspect of it. And I'm looking at the pyrotechnics. I'm looking at where she is at certain times on the stage and at what point is she doing this and at what point does she stop and and during this particular show I think it was on the run during this particular show they even had her in some sort of contraption or another that had her appearing as if she was flying in the sky you know but everything was so perfectly choreographed and we expect that with a musical production but we should do the same with our presentations too. And so I'm enjoying myself at this concert with my husband, but at the same time, I'm taking note of everything, every step, every move, every word, every light change, every costume or outfit change, hair, make all of that. I'm looking at all of that, how it all combines together to create this experience 
for you and, and not just an experience, but you get multiple highs and lows throughout the show. I mean, because I think the show went on for a couple of hours or more. And as we were walking to our car, I remember you could see her motorcade leaving. And I said to myself, I wonder what level of pride uh, does she have? when she leaves a show. I wonder if when she was five, six, seven years old, if she ever envisioned this for herself because the motor code is the mo- motorcade is massive. I mean it, it looks like some state official uh departing a venue. But that was one of the most memorable ones. I've attended others, but that would be the most memorable. Hamilton was very memorable as well, going to see that production for sure. The Lion King was very memorable. Um, but uh, just, um, yeah, watching that, watching her perform live, it is clear that she is a true professional in her industry. Well, that's what I love about that, right? You, there's, you can look at so many different aspects of life or events and you can learn from them. You can take those and you can incorporate them for yourself. So you said, oh, you could see the different changes or even the emotional highs and lows that she takes you through in a show. Well, that should reflect a lot of your own presentations. You want to take you want to take people on a journey and give them an experience. Yes. Yes, you do. You really, really do. You you don't want to just talk at them. You want to make it a conversation. You want it to make it a time where they feel like uh, it, it was just, and I say this so often, but you want them to feel like it was time well spent. You want them to say, I'm so glad that I spent that hour in that presentation. That is an hour of my life that I will never get back. And I'm okay with it because it was spent well. Yeah, because <laughs> we, we, we can spend our times in a lot of the presentations. I can recall many that have not been spent well. <laughs> <So>. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> what was the other question? I'm just curious. I'm not saying I'm going to answer it. but <laughs> oh, Well, we had talked about where you were, where you were going or where you lived and how I, yeah. how I traveled. So my other question was actually, what country would you want to live in and why? Although I don't think that's even relevant since you you, you didn't want to move. Uh, well, <laughs> well, possibly Costa Rica, climate, cost of living, scenery. Yeah, possibly Costa Rica. So yeah. No, so yeah, we, you and I were talking about like constantly, constantly moving now. And I, I think about how we're so settled where we live now. We've been living in Arizona since 2009, since November of 2009. And the, the, the things that we have accumulated, uh, and not that I would want to drag all of that with us. I actually read an article about a gentleman who is a super minimalist where he owns 15 items. That is it. 15. That is all he has. That's all he needs. So I know we could live with less, but just the idea of all of the logistics surrounding, okay, what do we do with our home? Do we put it up for rent? Okay. Now we need to find somebody who's going to deal with that because we don't want to be landlords. So we need a property manager. And what do we do with our own stuff that we're not traveling with? Like, I'm just thinking about the logistics of it. That stymies me. <laughs> but the logistics will happen. And here's the, well, I'll tell you why I know I've, I've moved across continent multiple different times throughout my lifetime. And the last two times have been using a sea container. So the first time we moved from the Netherlands to Canada, we took a 40 foot sea container. 
we had a whole lot of crap with us. Well, I can be honest about that. <laughs> but you thought it was all necessary. And this last time we've moved in November, we moved, um, yeah, beginning of November from Canada back to the Netherlands. It was not quite how I planned it in the middle of a pandemic and everything else. Although I have to say flying was amazing at this point in time, because especially with two young kids, awesome. And then we did it with, with only a 20 foot sea container. So what happened is indeed you had to go through lots of stuff and, and get rid of lots of things. And what it made me realize is how much space that creates is because then you're going to, I really looked at stuff like, does this bring me joy or did it bring me joy like 20 years ago? Off it goes. Kim, you read my mind and I'm not even lying to you. You read my mind because I read something some time ago where the bottom line was, look at the items around you, look at every single one of them and if and, and answer this very basic question. Does this post-it note bring me joy? And if the answer is no, it needs to go in the trash or in the donation pile. I kid you not, that was exactly where my brain was going when you were talking about how you're having to go through your your contents and, uh, and, and assess what needs to travel across the world with you and what needs to stay put. Yeah. 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 I did bring my ch- children with me. I figured they brought, brought me enough joy that they're allowed to come. Ah. <laughs> but, but yeah, it, it, it comes down to really making conscious choices of what brings me joy and what makes and does it and does it still bring me joy? And I had things yep. of like, oh man, I, I it was a memory from my childhood, and I really don't want to get rid of it. And I thought, wait a minute, I'm going to take a picture because the picture I can save in a smaller format. Then I can see because I, you know, I was I had clothes, I had books, I had I I came across my French books. I'm like, sure. oh my god, yeah, right, right. And I think we could apply this line of thinking to presentations too. As you're thinking about the content that you want to put into a presentation, whether it is an image, a story, a graph, a it doesn't matter, a data point. Is it going to bring your audience joy? And joy is loosely defined because joy means, is this going to be transformational for them? Is this going to be helpful for them? Is this thoughtful? Is it important? Is it necessary? Right? So joy can be a number of things, but we're just going to use joy for now. Look at every little piece you want to put into a presentation. And if it's not either going to bring the audience joy in that it brings them some kind of utility, or if it doesn't bring you joy in that you feel proud, pumped up, and excited to share this, then it doesn't belong in the presentation. How about that, sports fans? <laughs> That's a very, very nice bridge there. I try, I try. Kim, any last thing you want to share with our audience before we wrap things up here from this great conversation? Well, I know we've, I know we've talked about the beginning that everyone has said everything. So if you wanted to Google something about presentations, you'd find it. Um, but I'm going to leave this trick with that I learned from Mel Robbins. I, I absolutely adore her, but she uses the five, four, three, two, one method. So if you're going into a presentation, so even before this podcast, for me to prepare, I have music and I get really pumped up by music. So I've got techno blaring on my computer so I can get energy and get pumped up. And then I was using this five, four, three, two, one to continuously trick my brain and train it that whatever comes after the one we're going to be doing because your brain otherwise has too much time to think and goes, hold on a minute, this isn't safe anymore. And that's what stops you. And you just need to get started. 
and then you'll continue. Most people, I think it's like 80% of people, once you get started, you will just keep on going. You'll, 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 you'll get it done. And in the beginning, if you're making that journey, that's what counts is just get out there, get it done and get the practice of presenting, whether it's like I've done to my family. Uh, I've at times taken stuffed, stuffed animals of my children, put them on the couch. I'm presenting to them. It's a very, very warm audience. You know, asking your friends to come and listen to you. That's what, that's what builds confidence over time. And it's kind of a sad statistic when 70% of people are afraid to public speak where we definitely need more people to speak up and just admit you're afraid that the audience will love you even more for and they'll be there to support you because there's not an audience out there that's hoping you're you're going to fail they're all out there hoping for and wishing you to succeed so tell them you're scared and they're going to even want to be more supportive and you'll you can get that energy back from them as well they're really out there rooting you on. They honestly are. You do not have an audience filled with people who are saying, I hope she bombs. I hope he crashes and burns. I hope she gives me nothing useful. I hope this turns into a hot mess. No, they are not sitting there thinking that. Kim, thank you so much. I'm going to tell you some of my takeaways. And for my listeners, I hope these are some of yours as well. One, challenge yourself to do the things that scare you. Two, assess how you show up as a leader. Uh, Three, let go of the expectations of others. Four, create a cycle of confidence. I really loved that one. Five, make it about the audience. Those were my top five takeaways from this conversation with you. Kim, it has been a delight. Thank you so much. You're very welcome. I have really enjoyed this as well, Bridget. So thank you so much. Most excellent. And everybody, I trust you enjoyed it too. Until next time, make sure you always own the microphone. Bye.